The Return, an elite dangerous story. Davy! The shout came from the Asp's upper bridge. Get your arse up here! David Thornton, otherwise known as Davy, who was dozing in the crew lounge, snapped himself awake. Shaking his head to clear it, he unbuckled himself from the comfortable couch and swung his feet to the floor. The mag boots clicked as they made contact to the metal. Stifling a yawn, he started to make his way up to the lower bridge of the Asp. Davy, being the co-pilot and shareholder of the Asp Explorer vessel Sanctimonious, wondered what had got Commander Duncan McTaggart's knickers in such a twist. There hadn't been the pant-wetting lurch of an attempted interdiction, and they weren't due to make the delivery of food in the Maya system for three more jumps. He arrived at the lower bridge and went through the rigmarole of climbing into the crew seat, putting a leg either side of the comms panel, strapping himself into the crew seat, and then grabbing the throttle and control yoke on either side of the console. As soon as he did, the instrumentation holograms faded into life around him, giving him a full status of the ship and access to the Sanctimonious's weapons. He noticed that there was a steaming coffee held in a zero-g cup which was attached to the side of the seat. He smiled to himself knowing that Mooka, the Sanctimonious's third crew member, would have got it ready for him in time as he sauntered up to the bridge. Mooka had been rescued two years ago from a slave transport by the Sanctimonious. Since then, both Mac and Davy had adopted the young Imperial girl as a new crew member, thus avoiding her return to Imperial servitude. The girl, now thirteen, was growing up to be one of the most competent crew members that Davy had ever flown with. "'I'm here,' Davy said into his headset with a groggy tone in his voice. "'What's up?' The control panel between his legs burst into life, showing the picture of a middle-aged man with intent dark eyes, a thin face, and brown hair. Mac was sat in a similar seat about five metres above him in the upper cockpit of the ASP. Davy found he preferred the old ASP design where both pilot and co-pilot were sat side by side on one level, but he couldn't deny the extra visibility that the new design gave the crew. Look at the latest entry in the message queue, Mac said urgently. Davy called up the list. Have you been involved in a ship accident that wasn't your fault? He looked confused at the message from Cowlin McGrath. No, Mac sighed. The urgent one from Palin below it. Davy allowed himself a small smile. He knew that Mac would be telling Mooka to update the email filters again. In more than 1,300 years, you'd think they'd worked out a way to stop spam clogging your message queue. He selected the message from Professor Palin, whom he considered a conspiracy theory crank, and the message appeared as a hologram in front of his face. Got it, Davy told Mac. Have a read. Tell me what you think. Davy scanned the message. Over the last few days, I've asked several commanders to help collate data on the sightings of unknown ships that have been intercepting vessels near Maya. It was successful, and I have started to number crunch the data when my base was raided by a federal strike group. They stole the data and started to make for federal space. However, my software has tracking worms embedded in it, but those seem to have lost track of the task force somewhere in the HIP-17044 system. I'm also receiving reports of federal distress signals somewhere in that system and something about Astropy. I'm offering a reward for information about what's happened to those federal vessels. What do you think? asked Mac. We're only one jump over. What? Davy found himself snorting in derision. Do a mission for that tinfoil crank. It's not just that. Mac's tone of voice changed to a little urgent. Davy understood at that point. It was a federal strike force. Mac was ex-federal navy. Those would be fellow sailors, soldiers and pilots he'd be thinking of, not some spaced out whack job. 
If it was something that could cause a fleet that big to send out a call for help, then it's something that everybody should know about. Normally I'm the impulsive one that doesn't think things through, Davy replied, trying not to smile as he imagined Mac's reaction if he'd made the request. Yeah, well, Mac said, sounding almost bashful. Ah, fine by me, Davy said reluctantly. He heard Mac asking Mooka in the background, even as the ship changed course to the new system. With a flash of motion, the Sanctimonious arrived around the star of HIP 17044. As they hadn't been anywhere near this system before, Davy knew Mac's routine well enough to cover his ears. The low honk of the ship's discovery scanner resonated throughout the ship. A couple of seconds later, planets, moons and asteroids started to appear on the console displays. Davy frowned. It was a large system, which would mean a long search. He also noticed that there was a couple of other ships in the area, also appearing to be in their own searches. Looks like it's getting busy, he said into the comms unit. Any ideas where we start looking? There's nothing obvious on the scanner, reported Mooka. No unidentified signal sources, no nav beacon in system. Well, Mac paused thinking, after a big jump, the capital ships would have to wait for the smaller ships to catch up. Normal standard procedure is to rendezvous around the largest planets that's closest to the central star, and then head out for the next star system. Sensors are saying that HIP 170442-2 is a gas giant, interrupted Mooka. That'll be it, Mac announced. Then they would travel in real space until the capital ship's drives would be ready for another jump. So they were coming in from Astronia and then heading to the second gas giant to meet up? That would be my guess, Mac confirmed. Somewhere on the approach for the second planet from Astronia, we'll probably find our missing fleet. As the ship adjusted course, Davy took the opportunity to check over the ASP's weapons. As the ship's co-pilot and gunner, he had access to a couple of small laser beam turrets, the missile magazine, and the mine launcher, while Mac could fire the modified main guns. As the ASP wasn't the most manoeuvrable ship in the galaxy, the turrets were there to deal with smaller and more agile craft. He seriously hoped he wouldn't need them, but in the void, being prepared for the worst was half the battle. With a frameshift drive in supercruise mode, it only took a couple of minutes to reach the gas giant. The massive ball, made up of a subtly different shades of brown ammonia gas and satellite rings, looked large in the cockpit. The view shifted away again as Mac turned the sanctimonious towards the Astropy system, and Davy was pushed back into his seat as the ship accelerated away from the huge planet. We have a close contact, reported Mooka. There's a Ferdilance ahead of us, a spirit of St. Louis. Is she turning to engage us? Mac asked urgently. Uh, negative, reported Mooka. She's running a parallel course about 30 light seconds ahead of us. Davy sighed in relief. Against one of those sleek, heavily armed ships, the sanctimonious only option would be to run. A Ferdilance was twice as big, more manoeuvrable, and with enough guns to wipe out a ship like theirs in seconds. Looks like someone else has got the same idea, he said. No additional contacts. Davy knew that Mooka would be staring intently at those scanners. We're about 4,000 light seconds away from the planet. Okay, we'll hold course until we get to 20,000, ordered Mac. And then what? We return to the third planet and see if they approached on that vector. The minutes passed slowly as the stubby craft flew through space. The Ferdilands ahead of them kept a steady distance of 30 light seconds, 
when the scanner in front of Davy blinked. Four, then five, and then six contacts appeared approximately a thousand light seconds away. He was in the process of trying to identify them when Mooka called down. Six contacts!' she cried, panic rising in her voice. "'Looks like three anacondas, two acid, two asp explorers, and a diamondback explorer.' "'Don't worry,' Davy tried to reassure her. "'We're out of interdiction range. None of those ships could stop us if they wanted to at the moment.' They're probably looking for this lost fleet, too. Mac was trying to sound calming, but there was a slight edge in his voice. The distance counter passed 7,000, 8,000, and then 9,000 without incident. But Davy had to catch his breath as more ships appeared in the scanner, about 3,000 to 4,000 light seconds behind them. Contact! Mooka cried out, causing Davy to put his hands to his ears. Distress signal and authorised comms relay detected, 1,000 light seconds ahead! The spirit of St. Louis had also changed course and maintaining its 30 light seconds. He's definitely heading there. Yeah, breathed Mac. I need you on the guns as soon as we revert to thrusters. Aye, aye, sir. Davy allowed himself a smile because he knew that Mac would probably be rolling his eyes in exasperation on the bridge. Dropping into real space in three, two, one. Davy braced for the usual ship shudder as they dropped out of supercruise. The Asp Explorer emerged amongst a fleet of Federal ships. He gripped the flight controls as tight as he could. Federal gunships, corvettes and fighters littered the space around them, surrounded in a faint green glow. They were just wrecks. Now what? It took a second to realise that the green glow seemed to emanate from the ships themselves. What looked like some kind of luminous green gunge covered the ships, and it appeared to be eating away at the ship's hull. Life signs, Davy heard Mac's voice catching. Davy was too stunned to move. Life signs, Mac ordered, with the full authority of the post-captain rank he used to have. Nothing, stammered Mooka, apart from us in the further lands. Okay, let me talk to the other ship's commander, said Mac, activating the ship-to-ship comms. Davy looked over the wrecked fleet again and felt the knots in his stomach tighten even more. In the distance, there were two Farragut-class Federal battlecruisers, both of them covered in the same green gunk which was slowly eating away at the remains of these massive warships. Whatever Palin had, it must have been significant. Just one of these mammoth vessels would be enough to persuade a planet to sign over to the Federation. It was very rare that two would be needed for anything. Davy felt very light-headed as he tried to process what he was seeing. Did that mean that what Palin had been banging on about was true? Aliens? Davy knew that neither the Empire or the Alliance had anything that could deal with a fleet like this. I've got a signal, called Mooka, her voice trembling. It's, it's coming from a communication relay by the nearest gunship. Put it on speakers, Davy said, as Mac was still speaking to a Commander Lewis on the Fertilands. Tango, Hotel, Alpha, Romeo, Golf, Oscar, India, Delta, Sierra. A synthesized voice cracked over the ship's comms. Romeo, Echo. Tango, Uniform, Romeo, November. Davy felt his blood go cold as the message repeated over in a loop. He worked the message out in his head. Thargoids return. Davy looked at the comms panel, Mac's face reflecting the shock that he was feeling. He looked round the wreckage again and knew things would never be the same.